Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Glorio Chat, the best anime podcast on the internet. The only anime podcast on the internet. <laughs> the freshest, you. hottest takes. I, I feel like I need like a ding sound or something after I say that, but uh, I go setting up a soundboard is a slippery slope. I don't know if we want to go that that route. Oh man, just imagine though if we had a Glorio soundboard. Drop a bomb on it. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> I feel like it would have to be anime themed. You know, like you got like a. Like you got like a an Oni Chan button or something. Like you just press it. Yeah, uh, I'm proud to announce my new anime Oni Chan button debuting this winter se- season. <laughs> That's not nearly a long enough title for an Oni Chan show, but uh, anyway. It's an abbreviation button actually stands for. No, I'm not even going to bother trying. Yeah, yeah. There's yeah. We're going down a dark path here. Yes. Um, anyway, uh, welcome back, everyone. We are here to do our. Uh, fall 2018 season first looks first impressions of the season um and uh yeah we've got quite a few shows to talk about so we're gonna kind of try and get right into it here uh with me today we have a pretty unique lineup we have uh zig hello 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 we have aqua i guess technically it's fall yes sure um, I mean, it's been 27 degrees out there here, so... Yeah, the whole of Europe has kind of been in the middle of an Indian summer, so... It's very... It's pretty cold in New York. It's fall weather in New York, so uh, I'm, I'm going to count it. Um, yeah, have we had you two guys on the show at the same time before? I'm trying to I don't remember. Think so. No, yeah. I, I think this is our first time together. So, you know, we have a strong Team Glory Euro presence. Usually, usually we only need one token European. <laughs> <laughs> usually fills the quota so yes so as everyone can hear we also have g with us yo yo and uh you know before we do get into the new shows i think g and i have a little bit of unfinished business from yes we do last season so real quick g i just wanted to talk about uh the ending of hanibato which was delayed so we didn't get to talk about it last time and it was kind of it was kind of a big deal because if anyone listened last week pretty much our opinion of the entire show was writing on what happened at the end of the show in the final episode. And uh, yeah, some things happened. What, what, what did you think of the ending, G? Uh, <laughs> I feel conflicted. Still two weeks later, I I feel conflicted about Hanabato because in a lot of ways, uh, Hanabato kind of reminds me, this is not the most favorable comparison, but it reminds me a lot of Gundam Iron-Blooded Orphans. Uh, in the so sense that... A disaster? Right, but in some ways, a disaster that ended perfectly. It thematically, Hanabato has the right ending, the quote-unquote right ending. It it takes it arrives at the logical and like proper conclusion it should have based on the promises it makes at the start of the show. The problem is that the journey it took to get there really wasn't as enjoyable as it should have been, and even maybe more problematic is that the journey to that conclusion doesn't actually entirely support the thematic intent of what i think they were trying to go for like the ending is very much trying to be kind of it's definitely trying to be kind of like ping pong the animation but 
it doesn't have the nuance or Yuasa's god tier directing. So to, to kind of uh, elaborate a little bit for everybody, basically the girl that you thought was going to win the final match does not win, and the girl that we wanted to win the final match that it made sense thematically won, and you know none of that that was pretty shocking because. As G said, everything leading up to the show was kind of telling you that they were not going to take the right path at the end. So it was just kind of a weird, left us in a weird place because we got what we wanted in the final episode. But it was like, is this enough to like save the show? Like even now, I don't know if I, I, I'm conflicted of whether I would recommend anybody actually watch the show or not because there's like good stuff that happened, but then like there's a lot of bad stuff that happens, and it's, I, I don't, I don't know, I can't. I still haven't sorted out in my mind weeks later whether it's a good or bad show or not. Yeah, right? Because, I mean, here's the thing. I, I think the the really confusing part is that, as we were talking about last time, where we were completely in doubt of whether uh, Hanabato could pull it off, it's, it's not that ambiguous, you know... It's not that the plot being ambiguous is a bad thing. In fact, in some of the best pieces of fiction... It, it they are they are compelling because they managed to craft a narrative where you the viewer are incapable of predicting what's going to happen next you know it's kind of what we've all been loving about legend of the galactic heroes but the problem with hanabato is that that ambiguity is more out of a lack of technical ability than out of intent i think like right. it left us unsure but it left us unsure because not because we were unsure of the writer's intent or capability, but more unsure of, like, could the show even pull off what it was trying to do? Right. So it's it was a very, I mean, it was very interesting, to say the least. And we did get what we wanted, so that's something. Um, but Well, we got some of what we so, wanted. Yeah. I mean, so I, I would... Ayano's mom yes. still isn't in jail. Yes, she deserves so. to be in jail. All she got was, like, a mild emotional slap in the face at the end if you could even call it that um it's yeah like like i would say iano's mom is up there with like luluko's mom for like worst anime mom yeah and she did not of the year and you i'm surprised you pick luluko as an example of like bad anime moms when erased exists oh so like counterpoint Oh, oh, right, right. The bad mom. Yes. Okay. I thought you were talking about Satoru's yeah. mom. I was like, no, dude, she's, what? She's, she's <laughs> mom of the year. Yeah. So but, uh, anyway, we just wanted to share some parting thoughts on that because it did not end the way that we expected. So, yeah. But in some ways, I do want to just say that, like, I think we both do did appreciate what it was trying to be because, right. look, when Hanabato first aired, we were all like, oh, okay, it's tits in badminton, which, to be fair, it still ended up being, to a degree, tits in badminton, but also, like, a story that was, or a character drama that was far more compelling than I think either of us could ever have uh, initially predicted. Right. It was ambitious, far more ambitious than we were expecting, and it kind of succeeded in some areas. Even if it fell short, I could appreciate the attempt, so. Totally. All right, and one more show we wanted to wrap up because I think this just ended yesterday, right? Um, Correct. Uh, Fully Cooly Alternative, the saga continues, and shockingly, G has told me that it may actually be worth watching. I now don't put words into my mouth. <laughs> I 
I said That's pretty close to what you said, G. I'm holding you to the fire right, on this. Yeah, fine, fine. But I think I think you needed to include some adjectives there. Like, I think it is. I think it is an, a worthwhile academic curiosity of sorts. Okay. Um, as the only person That's... here who actually watched Fully Cooly Alternative, uh, sorry, Zig. I was just going to say, like, the very fact that you have to say that is like the biggest turn off you could possibly give because <laughs> I, you know, I, like the, the the appeal of Fooly Cooly to me and I think to most of the people who like it is not rooted in something as like fine as mm, this is quite technically good you know like the, like it, it's a show almost of pure raw emotion and the idea right. that you're not like you know like oh you should watch it as like an academic exercise is like so such a downer. I, I I don't mean that and okay fine maybe that wasn't the right word I, I didn't mean that as a, in the sense of like oh we should like analyze alternative but more I think there is probably a decent article to be written about comparing progressive and alternative and how both of them try to approach being a follow up to the original Fooly Cooly and how both of them kind of eventually failed, but failed in kind of wildly different ways. Is it? Um, and, do they both have the same like core team, or is it two entirely separate teams? I think it was two entirely separate teams, yeah. which See, is kind of what makes that's... it more interesting. But I think basically, I think compared to Progressive, Alternative actually gets a lot closer to the mark. Like thematically, Alternative actually does some stuff toward the end that makes it. Uh, or it it has the intent of being a fantastic response to the original Fooly Cooly. But good intentions, I think, only get you so far because the problem, I think, with Alternative in the end is that these potentially really interesting themes that it starts to bring up towards the end aren't executed super well. And there are some things that were presented in the story itself that kind of contradict it. But, like, you know, not to get too much into spoiler territory, but... You know, if the original Fooly Cooly was kind of about how it's okay to be a kid and how we don't need to rush into adulthood, Alternative is actually a really heartfelt story in some ways about how we can't hold on to the past, about how the world we live in is constantly changing and to kind of grasp onto a past that is kind of rapidly slipping away from us is in some ways equally unhealthy, no matter, you know, how how scary and uncertain the future might be you know that that like hearing you say that is appealing to me because like i i feel like the the theme of like time passing and moments being lost is like something i appreciate a great deal in in the media i enjoy you know and so that that sounds like they attempted to do something very interesting with yeah and it's 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 a shame because i think the problem is that it raises these points, but it doesn't really support them strongly enough. And the reason is that I think the problem is that Alternative just still ends up paying too much homage to the original Fooly Cooly to truly make that message stick. Like, it, its characters talk about how, oh, we can't remain in the past, but how we gotta face the future. But then it still has, like, hey guys, remember the original Fooly Cooly? Remember Conti? Remember the Yellow Vespa? And it's like... Oh, like you, it's like you wanted to escape Fooly Cooly's shadow, but maybe you weren't brave enough to to cut cut it off entirely. You know, I mean, do they play Little Busters? Yeah, of course they do. And I'm not interested. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. 
right, well, I mean, that, yeah. I mean, no, no, let, <laughs> let me elaborate, you know, like, that might seem harsh, you know, but that tells me that they are leaning on the, on, like, the tropes, on the trappings of the original for emotional talk. Yes, you know? yes, and, they and totally not, are. I'm just not interested in that, because... Yeah. No, and... Sorry, like the reason the reason I became attached to those moments and that music and those visuals in Fooly Cooly is because the story itself maneuvered me into a position where like I felt those emotions, you know. And like the idea that like this is the issue that I've always had with stuff like Kunad, you know, that is the emotions you're feeling are not real, you know, they are carefully engineered to make you feel a certain way. And, and I feel like that's kind of, like, unless the only situation I can see that would be suitable for using that song in a Fooly Cooly, like, sequel, prequel, whatever, is if it is in a scene in a way that is explicitly designed to say, oh, look, this is, like, like literally and thematically linked to the original. And, like, but otherwise it just feels lazy. It just feels feels like they're trying to cash in on something that they didn't earn to begin with. Does that make right. sense? No, I, I do agree with you, Zig. And that's kind of why I say alternative is in some ways kind of a shame because I think I think somebody on that team or some people on that team did want to make alternative a thematically different response to Fooly Cooly. Because again, like there are elements of the story that do support this idea of like Hey, it's it's time to move on. It's time to to move forward. It's just yeah, like, that like, unfortunately there are too many elements stuck in place that are way too indebted to the original. Yeah, like if they used that song and said like, okay, and this has to go, you know, we are sweeping this away, we are leaving it behind. You know, it it's part of the issue I've always had with nostalgia focused things, you know, which is I don't necessarily mind you making another fooly cooly, you know, but but you have to, like, it has to be about moving on from the things that I liked rather than just yeah. being the things that I liked. And, like, by all accounts, these two things are just, like, you said it yourself, like, hey, remember Haruko? Remember Kanti? Remember the Vespa? And I'm like, yes, I remember them, but I never, I never stopped remembering them. You know, and right. when I remember them, it will always be in the context of original Fooly Cooly. And therefore, showing them to me again, you know, unless you're actually going to do something interesting with them, isn't meaningful to me. I Yes. Yeah, I guess... Hmm, how do I put it? I guess I do want to just say it out loud here on the podcast, just to make a record of it, that yeah. I think, you know, just because inevitably the two are going to be compared, but I think in a lot of ways... Alternative probably makes equally bad mistakes as progressive, but the consequent because of the thematically different intent of those mistakes, the consequences of alternative aren't nearly as harmful. Like the primary example I would say is alternative and progressive's use of Haruko as a character. Like alternative actually doesn't use Haruko that much. She's kind of barely a character. She's kind of just a plot device that shows up for like a couple minutes every episode to do a thing compared to progressive which constantly shoves haruko in your face is constantly like trying to you know is is so eager to ask if you remember haruko and all of her antics in the original fully cooly and like all of her actions in progressive are basically just a retread of what she did in the original whereas 
while Haruko doesn't have a ton of screen time and alternative, she is doing like actually thematically different things in alternative. And in some ways it's maybe an equally poor use of her, but the results are overall less offensive, I guess, or not offensive. Yeah. That's not the right one. It's less bad for the narrative, I guess. Yeah, I, I can understand that, you know, like, like when they announced these projects, I was firmly of the opinion that a Fooly Cooly sequel should have no ties to the original and no, and like just just kind of seeing Haruko again because like I only watched the first episode of both, but just seeing her show up pretty much beat for beat the way she showed up in the original in Progressive, I was just like, oh oh we're doing this, are we? You know we're like. You know, hey guys, remember that thing you liked? Well, here it is again. Right, just same old and, tricks twenty years later. Yeah, and, and and again, I only saw the first episode, but it definitely seemed like Alternative had more of a firm idea of its own identity yeah. away from being a. And you know, I'm I'm very interested. I'll have to watch. I'll watch them. I regret that I haven't watched them, so I can't contribute more meaningfully to this. It's discussion. fine. I mean, here's the thing, right? I'm not. I'm definitely not going to say, like, oh, Alternative is. <laughs> is the proper sequel to the original Fooly Cooly. I definitely wouldn't say that. It's still deeply flawed in a lot of ways, but I think the ways in which it's flawed are more interesting, whereas, like, Progressive is just flawed in a bad way, in a way that, you know, you just write it off as a bad piece of media, whereas, like, I think Alternative is actually, again, like, I think it, it gets closer because, you know, the protagonist is a lot more likable. Uh, the the primary cast is primarily female, so like in many ways, when people are talking about progressive, like, oh, is progressive kind of the response is like kind of the female the female take on adolescence versus like the original's you know take on male adolescence, and it turns out that wasn't true, and that progressive was basically just putting on airs. I think fully coolly alternative actually does get a bit closer because it's a primarily female cast, primarily interacting with Haruko, and kind of how that dynamic changes. And it's uh, Haruko dealing with adolescent, uh, you know, adolescent women instead of men, and yeah. so there are things it does that are interesting and better. It's just, unfortunately, I think it just stumbles too often to really uh, hit the target. Yeah, I mean, it it sounds like that there there's it's worth seeing for like curiosity value alone, so to speak. That's all. It's only. Yeah six episodes so it's not like it's a huge commitment or anything so yeah you know seeing as the rest of the season looks maybe i'll have time to uh <laughs> time to check it out <laughs> so uh yeah speaking of the rest of the season so yeah when i don't have iro here my transitions are awful so i apologize everyone <laughs> uh <laughs> so yeah let's get into the the new shows and we can start by talking about uh, Run with the Wind. And I'm not sure, did any of you guys watch this other than me? Yes. No, yep. Yep. No, sorry. Okay. So um, Run with the Wind is kind of, I thought it was, I thought it was very good. Um, you know, for me personally. I think it's, I think it's surprisingly good. Yeah. And I think one of the things I like about it is it's kind of the rare, like, kind of chill low-key sports shows like we always like there's the the cliche of the anime sports show is kind of the big loud you know uh hot blood you know, and burning hot passion. blooded burning passion and like everybody has superpowers and special moves and it's basically a, a shonen battle show but in the context of a sports a yeah, sport ab absolutely uh, uh but it's also the, not 
sorry, it's also not the opposite of that. It's not. Uh, it's also not like free, or that are coming to Rune, which is like the the low key, the Kiyoani uh, style, relaxed uh, Kiyoani style. Indeed, right. it's it's more like a it's it's a comedy. Let's let's call it what it is. It's it's a, it's a dramedy, perhaps yeah, you know, yeah. like like. But I, I guess it's yeah. that it's more it's more down to earth, like kind of realistic and down to earth. Like it feels. Like even like the so just as the general premise, it's you know this group of this group of twelve guys that are living in this college dorm, and they kind uh, of important disclaimer: these are all grown ass adults, which is like rare enough in anime that it is worth highlighting. Yeah, I think they're all in like in college, so they're like adults. But uh, yeah, they're, so they they are all living at this dorm together and kind of get tricked into joining a long distance running team. Um, <laughs> I mean, definitely get tricked okay, into joining. A definitely get tricked team. into joining a long distance running team, and um, yeah, there's. I think I think the probably the biggest strength for me is like it has you know this kind of wide diverse cast of dudes. I don't know if there's gonna be enough time to really spend with all of them, but it's it's a wide wide variety of different you know characters and uh they're kind of they kind of live in this rundown dorm that feels very lived in it's 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 kind of a like i said before down to earth is like the term i would use where you know it feels very um kind of comfortable that it's, way but go ahead Zig. it's kind of refreshingly bullshit free you know like it's it it strongly evokes the feeling which i, th- I think we've all experienced at some point of like living in like a shitty college house with a bunch of like variably shitty people and uh, <laughs> excuse me but like you know there's a lot of there's a lot of like interplay between the characters like i'm not gonna say it's especially naturalistic but it's way better than like the normal very canned stilted dialogue we get from anime you know th- there's a certain looseness to it which is which is appealing you know there there's um there's a kind of like lived in feel which which i think is quite rare and and is good fun here it's interesting because uh premise wise the show is uh, incredibly similar to last season's grand blue but the execution is completely different right yeah i i I think like grand blue went for like a very like bawdy like animal house style comedy and that burnt out pretty quickly for me at least you know and but i think this one has more staying power you know like it has a big cast it does a relatively good job of sketching those characters quite fast in the two episodes we've seen um like of like the the thing which worries me most is main dude you know main dude who is kind of like a a haunted loner who had like a traumatic experience in the running club in his high school he he swore never to run again you know and and that's worrying you know, like because Get that shit out of here. well, they because they yeah, actually like, introduced him because he he was running away from he like was stealing food from the convenience store or something like that. Which, so he yeah he had some kind of. I mean, this show has at least three people in it that are the worst people in the universe. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I just like there seems to be like a three way fight going here. There's the fight between like super cliched sports like tortured genius stuff there's like the quite enjoyable bawdy ensemble comedy that's going so like one of the dudes is like an exchange student from tanzania and like bonus points for having a black dude in an anime without making him like a complete joke or an ethnic stereotype 
um like one of them is like a big manga nut one of them is an ex-runner who like gave it up and now like smokes and drinks and is generally super unhealthy and all that stuff is fun and then there's like the third which is like oh these guys like there are a lot of loving shots of these guys in the bath and the shower (laughs) and the public baths and like they spend way more time naked than you would expect and like i get it you've got an audience you're appealing to but it does feel like a kind of weird intrusion from the more anime side of things if that makes sense oh yes of course that has to be in there but uh yeah no i think that's a good uh kind of general overview of the what's going on in the show for sure though um but yeah i think it's just uh it's an interesting combination i think we don't see a lot in sports anime uh especially you know compared to like the closest contemporaries would be the ones that aqua mentioned like free or something like that or you know we mentioned grand blue it's it's not quite any of those so it's just kind of an interesting mix of it it feels a little bit more it feels a little bit more like i don't think free is like a super distant comparison but it definitely feels a bit more grounded than that like free was like a super like operatic drama you know like everything was very over the top and flamboyant and like you know the 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 biggest most important thing on earth and this so far at least <coughs> excuse me uh feels feels a little bit more low-key than that and that's something i appreciate yeah so uh i know a lot of people loved it i i you know i thought it was pretty good and probably good enough to give another episode so we'll have to see where we'll have to see where it goes have you seen episode two already i haven't seen i haven't watched the second episode yet oh all right yeah it's pretty it's good, good. <laughs> it's pretty much i mean did anything happen in episode two that's going to change my mind from episode one uh the the dude the like the dude who is recruiting them reveals himself to be one of the most evil motherfuckers alive oh i could definitely Um, see that coming so it's it's pretty good is what i'm gonna say all right Uh, there's a there's a particularly good bit at the end which i'm gonna spoil because like it goes exactly how you think but like he's gradually blackmailed every other dude into like agreeing to join the running club and like main dude says no like you know i'm not gonna do this and like like our lead our recruiter just goes like oh yeah no it's okay don't worry i know you're good at running away from things and like there might as well be like a sad trombone right there you know (laughs) and of course like that gets his goat and he agrees to join but it's Uh, it's it's pretty good like uh, i'm enjoying it quite a bit all right i'll have to check it out Okay, so um, moving along to our next show, um, did did anybody else watch this one? I haven't. I see. I should have checked nope. all this beforehand. Okay, so this, I did this... not because it looks like the worst thing in the entire universe. <laughs> okay, well let's let's <laughs> let's introduce it. The, t- the title of the show is "Rascal Does Not Dream of Bunny Girl Senpai," which I, can we all agree that's, that's a worst... bad title? Can we all agree that's the worst like localized title of all time? Because it's pretty bad. That's uh, the localized was... title. Yes. That's the yeah, that's one. the official English title. Yeah, Jesus. Um, what was Them's the fighting words in a word where the riddle story of devil exists? Yes, that's the one I was going to say. Uh, as well. Yeah, I, I think my main problem with riddle story of devil is it should have been devil the devil's riddle, which sounds so much cooler. But this one is just I forget what what the actual word was that they decided to call rascal. But like, who says rascal after like nineteen uh, forty? It's, it's um, I think it's uh, butayaro. So like big or like filthy big oh that makes it so much better (laughs) (laughs) so 
Um, well, yeah, I don't. Well, anyway, here's my. Uh... How about calling? How about calling it Pig Boy and Bunny Girl, and it's like a superhero show or something? That that might be more appropriate or something. I don't know, but localization uh... is tough. Yes. Anyway, my 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 smoking hot take. This one phrase description of this show would be: What if PA Works made Monogatari? <laughs> huh. <laughs> so you're saying the most boring thing in the universe ever then. so okay so for the pa works it's mostly because it, to, to me it kind of looks like a pa work show like the, the animation is very good uh and they use a is lot it, of like is it up to that standard because that's a pretty high bar yeah it, it looks looks pretty nice and the, the character designs right. look very very um pa works like uh but content wise it's a lot of sort of disillusioned world weary teenagers talking um and there's this the, the the kind of the main plot hook is there is this like um what they're calling either puberty or adolescence syndrome where oh chunibyo yes but but it it, huh. it it makes it so these weird things like these weird supernatural phenomena start happening so our the bunny girl senpai in the title is like she used to be a famous model or something and she quit acting temporarily and now she's like literally disappearing to where people can't see her or something and wait wait what wait hold on a second here <laughs> i think i've heard this story before <laughs> go go ahead zig where have you heard this before so um there's a famous school beauty who goes to a very weird school and the show is very nice and pre- it's it's fucking back in Monogatari, isn't it? It's... Well, that's what I said. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, like, I thought you meant like vaguely. I didn't think you mean, oh, we ripped off like the initial story arc. Huh. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, and the, and so like the main dude, of course, is the only one that can still see her. So the the bunny girl comes into play because she puts on a bunny suit and walks through the library just to see if she can get anybody's attention because nobody sees her. But of course, he's the only one that can see her. And so, you know, it kicks off their relationship where they practically start dating and he's trying to help her with her problem. And there's going to be other girls that experience other problems that he's going to ultimately probably have to help them with, including his own sister. So, yes, it can, is literally... can, can I offer can I offer an opinion at this point? Yes. Fuck off. <laughs> Yeah, this doesn't sound very good. Um, yeah, you're, you're really going to have to sell me on this one, Joe. Well, you're okay. really going to have to. For the record, <laughs> I did not say the show was good. I just want Okay, I, moving on. I just thought it was I thought it was notable because they are actually trying to do something, and I haven't quite figured out what it is yet, but they are trying to do something. It's it's actually sell DVDs, perhaps. Yeah, it's actually pretty. It's actually pretty. Like the writing's pretty decent. the 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 relationship between the two main characters is actually pretty good. Um, it, and it's not nearly as since Shimbo is not directing, it is not nearly as horny as everybody was <laughs> okay, thinking like it was. That. I I have a question that I guess is like. I feel like sometimes we have this discussion about like authenticity or I guess when I say authenticity, I mean, I mean like how sincerely the creators believe in the work they're creating, you know, like the, you know, the kind of the premier example would probably be like Mizukami, right? He's kind of the king of being very earnest about the work he creates and truly believing in his like very kind of chuny but very idealistic messages. Yeah. I mean, there was a documentary on him. Every day he goes outside and he prays to the giant hammer in the sky, and then, <laughs> you know, he comes back in. Yeah, so I guess my question is, does it feel like the people who are making this show 
is the reason why you're not writing this off immediately is because it seems like the creators truly genuinely believe in the story they're trying to tell with this thing. Um, yeah, I, I would say that it does feel like I said, it feels like they're trying to do something. And I think when everybody saw the show, they were just like, oh, they're going to have a bunny girl and it's just going to be like, you know, fan service and, you know, naked anime girls and whatnot. And it's not quite that. Um, there is a little bit of that, but not not it's not like the nearly as much of the focus as everybody was expecting. And they're, they're trying to do something like I don't know quite what theme they're going for because they're still working on it. But, you know, I don't know if it's gonna be something tied with her, you know, like, you know, people's obsession with celebrity or something like that. Or they're, they're trying to do something. This is, this is all I'm trying to say. And I can respect that to a certain degree. Um, whether or not it's good or not, uh, that's kind of a tough call. It, it does feel very, it does like it, it does have a very similar feel to Monogatari, where it's a lot of standing around talking and, you know, two disillusioned teenagers flirting with each other. Um, and that's pretty much like 90% of what ha- actually happens in the show. So, that sounds good to you, then maybe maybe you'll like it. Otherwise, uh... <laughs> <laughs> uh, otherwise, I'm not so sure. Shell, have you ever seen, have you ever seen my teen romantic comedy Snafu? Yes, it is also kind of similar in that neighborhood of. Uh... Yeah, I've heard people compare this to that. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I've I've heard people call that better than expected, but also not fantastic. Which so... is probably. I mean, it is by the author of Girlish Number, so I'm assuming it is one of those biting anime satires that also sort of is what it is trying to satirize yeah that, yeah that kind it, of it's problem. it's definitely in that neighborhood i think uh you know having the kind of supernatural elements or whatever kind of skewed skewed it more toward me thinking monogatari but they're all kind of in that same neighborhood to certain degrees i suppose but uh yeah anyway I just thought it was notable just because it was not quite the uh, the show we were expecting. But, you know, we'll have to see if... I don't know if I'm gonna, I might watch another episode or two. We'll see. Um, I think now might be a good time since we mentioned PA Works. Uh, we didn't get it on the notes here, but Aqua, you wanted to talk about the actual PA Works show <laughs> airing this yes. season, which... Uh, well, is there a localized title? Because I saw we were using the non-localized one. Um... Uh, the localized title is Irozuku the World in Color. Okay. So what what's uh, uh, which is, what's this one about? Um so this story uses a bit of a, a strange <laughs> framing device that lasts for about 5 minutes and then becomes a PA work show. Um so uh, we start in the future where apparently magic is a, a common thing like you you people know witches and they can go visit witches go to their shops and buy magic potions and things like that uh and there's this girl hitomi who is the granddaughter of a very prominent witch who promptly decides to send her granddaughter back in time because she's depressed or against her will blind yeah right against her will it should be pointed out yes yes and this all happens in the first five minutes um so it's build character yeah it is not quite clear if our main character is literally colorblind or if it is simply a metaphor for you know being depressed and being unable to see the beauty in life and things like that but they regularly cut to like black and white shots of the beautiful pa works backgrounds to show that she can't see color which is what she constantly uh, keeps reminding us of 
So when she uh, goes into the, uh, so she arrives at the past, there is a bit of weird uh, fish out of water comedy, and she eventually gets involved with her great great grandmother. Um, who tells her that her grandmother is currently a high schooler studying in England. So she basically, this show will be about her uh, bonding with her grandmother while her grandmother is in high school as a witch with her friends. And I think her grandmother is supposed to be like a Haruhi type of person. Like this, this, what, this. What does that mean? <laughs> I mean, I don't mean haruhi type as in has literal god powers but as in like she's this force of nature who causes trouble everywhere but nevertheless draws people to her for some reason right okay like i think that is the direction they're going in but we're two episodes in right now and the grandma hasn't actually shown up in person yet uh, it's mostly been about hitomi interacting with grandma's friends and getting into wacky misunderstandings but it's all nicely framed it's an incredibly beautiful show it clearly cares about its characters the characters uh talk about each other talk to each other in very natural ways they're boys and girls who can just hang out and be friends without needing to be tsundere to each other um there's of course a boy that she has a quote-unquote special relationship with because he draws pictures that she can see the color of uh, the big finale of the first episode is his drawing coming to life in spectacular fashion. The show is like cater made to show off BA Works' skills and all the money they earned making that Mario Kada movie. <laughs> yeah, like it, it's like even a, it's above and beyond even the standard of like the regular PA Works show. You know, like there's obviously lots of like beautiful blue skies and green grass and all that stuff, but. You know, there's spectacular character animation. Like Aqua said, the the moments where the drawings come to life are just truly wonderful. It, it's it's a hell of a looker, for sure. This is like Kyoani tier animation. That's what you need to like envision. Huh. Um, so, so where is this going? I don't know. You had a question? No, I was just going to say, so it's basically a, another PA, PA work show. Yeah, <laughs> which which I is mean, good. Which is good. PA I don't mean that as an insult. PA works make two kinds of shows. You know, they make the chipper but slightly sarcastic uh, young adult women try to make it in some sort of bullshit dead end job, <laughs> and there is the romance with slight supernatural twist. And usually, the shows in the former category have been good to very good. The Whereas better the shows ones, I think. in the latter category have been bad to embarrassing. Hey, and another th- is great. I'll, I'll hey, and also <laughs> they also they made series the Jaeger last season, so like yes, you said, yeah. they can actually and do yes, pretty okay yes. action too. You 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 are both correct, of course. But when we talk about PA works shows, it is as yes, I say, Kyoani works. You know, even I though totally Kyo get you make. Mean more than just what we call typical shows so which which, so, um which category is this one falling under then? this is definitely the latter okay you know this is mm. uh, this is definitely like romance with supernatural twists and uh, the biggest problem might be that the supernatural twists um may not entirely fit inside the story quite yet i mean there are some fun bits that come from the um fish out of water time travel aspect and i personally find the way magic is presented in this show 
very interesting. It is similar to how it is presented in Flying Witch, as it is, it's it's like a a craft, you know, like you know a friend who is a carpenter or you know a friend who is uh, a plumber. Well, you know a friend who is a witch and who makes magic potions and sell them to people. It's a utility, you know. It's yeah, a yeah, it's it's a very it's a very interesting take on magic, and it's incredibly low key. It plays a very minor role in the story. Uh, to the point where, like, when she shows off her magic to the rest of the class, everyone is like, yeah, but I can just, you know, buy a magic potion from the witch's shop for, like, 20 yen, and that will do the exact same thing as what you just did. <laughs> that's, that's so pretty cool. that is an interesting aspect of it. But it's hard to sort of imagine where they will take it other than romance. Yeah, you know, it's obvious that this will be a romance. Right. But everything else is sort of in the dark. Like they're even pretty vague about whether she'll actually be able to go back because in the first episode, they like clearly mentioned that it is that the time travel is permanent and she can't go back. But then in, Thanks, the, second episode, they, in the second episode, they mentioned that it might be possible for her to go back. And so it becomes some weird time loop where she like, she becomes her own grandma or some. Oh no. Like look, I've no. seen that episode of Futurama. Look, like <laughs> they, 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 they honest, honestly, like I think grandma was kind of being wildly irresponsible with her time travel magic here. I feel like there are ground yeah. rules. You got to set, you know, like no romance in the past. You don't know what fucking time paradox shit you'll cause. Yeah, we talked about worst anime moms. Is that a worst anime grandma move? I don't know. But, uh... I mean, think about it, right? It's like, hey, how did you spend your weekend? It's like, oh, like, you know, grandma fucking sent me back in time to learn to see color in the world again. It, Like, one of, one of my issues with it so far, and to be clear, like, I also think it's good and I think it has huge potential. Um, I think it, it, it feels very oddly paced, you know, like, <clears throat> like most... Uh, romance come slice of life shows you know the pace is quite slow and that's fine but it it seems very drawn out on some things and like skipping over others you know like like i feel like there's there's more space for like more character stuff and less kind of like introspective stuff and that that's just my take obviously but but i do feel like it could do with perhaps a slightly sharper yeah. focus on what it's actually yeah. trying to do i don't know i don't know who the director is but that does seem to be a thing that pops up in pa works shows a lot i know i think i know exactly what you're talking about where they I mean, kind of don't necessarily focus on the things you think they should be focused yeah, just on. to illustrate the future part is like three minutes you know it's a festival in the future we see hitomi walking around being sad she meets some friends and they're like hey we're having fun at the festival and she's like yeah sure i'm just gonna be on my own and then she's just looking at the fireworks. Grandma shows up and she's like, I'm going to send you back in time. And then she gets sent back in time. That's it. <laughs> like, that's the framing device. Right. So, yeah, this show has weird pacing. All uh, right. For, well, for the record, the director is Toshi Shinohara. I think this is his first uh, first job, like, fully directing a, um, a TV show. But he he directed several episodes of Anohana. Um but also an episode of Gurren Lagann. So, huh, like, okay. That's uh, like two completely different ends of the spectrum. Yeah. That's an interesting resume. I'm going to look range. up which episode of Gurren Lagann. Yeah, is. please do. I'm very curious now. Because I feel like it might be one of the... Uh, um, 
it's yeah it's one of the more slice of lifey ones it's the one just after the time skip but oh, nevertheless it's okay sure it's still uh an interesting spread of stuff you know yeah anyway yeah like it's got it's got potential you know but i feel like the difference is it will it like tell an interesting story or will it just kind of become one of those pa work shows which to be clear are not bad and have all been varying degrees of good but they're also kind of a known quantity right they kind of they kind of end up being a little bit forgettable um yes yeah, yeah. so all right i i i might want to check that one out as well because i usually do like the pa work shows uh mm-hmm. for better or worse so um all right let's move on to the next show uh, we talked about Double Decker a bit on the the preview show, um, and as kind of being the spiritual successor to Tiger and Bunny or whatever. But and there's actually quite a few episodes now out at this point, right? Yeah, episode four aired today, so kind yeah. of ahead of the pack compared so, to everybody else. So you, that's a pretty big, pretty decent sample size. How how has that been going? I've been enjoying it a lot. Uh, Double Decker is just, I mean, at its core, it's just a lot of fun. You know, I think it kind of it is definitely taking serious the Jaeger spot of like just really well, like really well put together, technically competent, inoffensive, you know, kind of more action comedy than than straight action. It's uh, it's basically kind of a mildly super powered police procedural about cops who bust criminals evolved in an illegal super drug called Anthem that <laughs> mutates your body and gives you superpowers. Excuse me, I am a lawyer for electronic arts, and I'm going to have to shut down this uh, podcast immediately. And I am a lawyer <laughs> for Toei, and I need to shut down this program immediately. <laughs> yeah, but uh, it's just like, I think realistically, actually, the actual best thing about Double Decker is, uh, it's kind of similar to the best thing about um, Pat Labor, actually. it's It's a slice of life buddy cop comedy and those are kind of its strongest aspects rather than the action and in support of that i think is double decker's impeccable presentation and timing i think it might actually be one of the most like this this is a very specific thing to bring up but it, it might be one of the most expertly timed shows i've seen in ages like specifically, like the dialogue beats, the way scenes transition, the, the way its comedy is delivered, it it's all very snappy. It's all very, uh, just it's on point every single time. Like, um, you know, explaining you know explaining humor is never never plays well. But as an example, uh, the show has a narrator who sometimes cuts in to give you know some slight exposition, but generally it's always used for comedic effect. So an example is uh, uh, the protagonist is named Kirill. He's kind of like the rookie protagonist, kind of new to the force, you know, the overeager rookie cop. And he sees one of his fellow cop cops uh, activate her cyber eyes and super strength to uh, kind of escape out of a bad situation. And later in the episode, Kirill takes uh, his partner, Doug, you know, kind of the older veteran cop, kind of takes Doug aside and says that, uh, Doug, I... I have something important to tell you. I I think Yuri might be a robot. To which Doug replies, Really? You you think so? You 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 haven't told anybody else, have you? This this could be big. I, I need you to I need you to stay on this case for me, okay? And right afterwards, the narrator cuts in and says, It is publicly available knowledge that Yuri is a robot. 
Doug <laughs> is just an asshole. Uh, and it's just kind of stuff like that that like it's just it sounds like sounds like an arrested development joke but <laughs> kind of right like i'd say i think the thing that makes double decker works is it is kind of sitcommy you know kind of in that like kind of western tv way and i think it just really works well in the show's favor and uh you know not really much else to say about that just uh really well put together a lot of fun i have an important question though is there a precocious little girl who is more competent than the two buddy cops combined? Kinda, actually. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like it's kind of a joke that uh, Kirill is like the rookie cop who like just joined the force. And at the end of the very first episode, they introduce another rookie cop, a, a female cop. And the chief explains that, oh, oh wait, you're the rookie cop we requested. And turns to Kirill's like, Wait, who are who are you then? Well, whatever. We could have two rookie cops. <laughs> sure, that fits. So, uh, do you think where is this projecting to be in comparison to Tiger and Bunny? Do you think this is going to be a better or worse uh, overall show? Um, that's kind of a tough question because I'd say Tiger and Bunny kind of played its premise more straight. Like it did have those like good kind of slice of life sitcom moments. But I think it was generally more action-oriented. Whereas I'd say the action is present in Double Decker, but like frankly, the the CG thing, like the CG gimmick they're using, is right. right. It's it's the technology has improved, but it's still very noticeable when they switch to like the CG models, and it doesn't always work. And if Double Decker's primary like focus was the action i think that would be a bigger problem but because double decker is so primarily focused on kind of the more you know uh kind of the buddy cop comedy aspects of it i think it's not as egregious and yeah. i think in general you know like a good police procedural there will probably be a moment towards the end where things get more serious and they introduce their big primary villain that you know they got a team up to take down but I think in general it's going to be a much lighter show. Yeah, it seems like it seems like it's a kind of a less uh, easy sell. Where Tiger Bunny, Tiger and Bunny, you could say, oh, it's you know, anime does Western superheroes or whatever, and I don't. It doesn't seem like it's quite of a, a as a focused concept, I guess, in this case. But um, still, sounds kind of fun though. I'm enjoying it a lot. Like. I'm not trying to go as far as say, oh, like, you know, anime of the season or anything like that, but I think it is like, it's just very enjoyable in that kind of, low-key is not the right word, because that show is definitely not low-key, but it is definitely an enjoyable show that, you know, I can kind of just watch in addition to all of these other kind of bigger highlights this season. The popcorn show, is that yeah, what you're looking yeah. for? Yeah. I think that's a good description for it, you know, it's a... Uh, it's very well done, but you know, I don't think it's going to like blow anybody's minds. Right. Okay, well, I don't know, Akko, would we call the next show on our list a popcorn show? <laughs> uh, let's talk about the return of a certain magical index. It's garbage. It is <laughs> garbage. But it's my garbage. It's... it's it's so really, good. It's extremely dumb. Uh, 
I hate myself for liking it. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> it's the kind of thing I should be tearing like a new one. It's absurdly bad and shitty and terrible to women and just awful in every way. And I'm kind of into it. It's oh okay. So let let's just say because we've had two episodes aired and it looks like you know a side note Crunchyroll and Funimation worked out whatever was happening and Crunchyroll has it now. So happy about that. But anyways. First two episodes have been out, and it, it feels like we never left, even though it's been seven years. Uh, so, you know, uh, it's still the ridiculous, let's take deep cuts from the history of the Roman Catholic Church and turn that into an excuse for them to have mind control powers. Uh, it's still, you know, Toma is the hapless everyman stumbling into girls' panties constantly throughout the episode. Uh, everyone still has flip phones. I mean, it's like we've never left, and I guess that's in some ways a good thing, and in some ways a bad thing. But yeah, I think that's. I, I said this in the in the first look, and I feel like this is the fundamental thing, which is index never feels like it's taking itself too seriously. Is the thing that's that's the thing because it commits many of the sins that like we castigate like sword art online or tons of other like modern like novel shows for but i think the key difference is that index always tends to treat everything with a very pulpish sensibility and by that it's very obvious that it doesn't care it doesn't actually care about like the value of super move c versus <laughs> you know ultimate ability a you know it's kind of just t- filling time and the other thing is that like you know Toma himself is kind of likable and the show is not afraid to like make him the butt of most of the jokes you know like he's very far from being like a god mode Mary Sue or anything like that well, even though he does he fall, technically he is but they don't present him that way I mean isn't yeah, he like the epitome of like seemingly the worst but actually the best yeah yeah no absolutely like he 100% falls into that trope but again like like Joe said, you know, it's all about the presentation, which is the show doesn't take him too seriously. People in universe don't take him too seriously. You know, it's the difference between, like, you know, the bit I always remember from Sword Art Online is the first episode of Sword Art Online 2, where that guy literally gets down on his knees to beg Kirito to help them with their, like, MMO murder mystery thing. And, like, it's treated with, like, absolute seriousness and reverence that they cannot escape this situation without the might of Kirito, you know. And, like, Toma is, like, being thrown out of airplanes and attacked by nuns and, like, kicked in the crotch and beaten up (laughs) and all that stuff, you know. It's it's the good stuff that, like, helps humble the character. Yeah. uh, Both in and out of the narrative. Absolutely, you know, and like it helps that they they write him as kind of like a befuddled everyman a lot of the time, like like because yes, like he absolutely is playing like he, the you know he ha- I have I'm the one who has the broken ability and all the girls love me and everything, but in story he's just kind of a slightly dim like teenager and and that makes a world of difference, you know, like it makes so much difference in the way that this is presented and it kind of gives you free reign to take it less seriously and not worry so much about it and like there's not really any objective way you can describe index as good unless it like magically turns into railgun season two which actually was good against all expectations but 
but it's really enjoyable and it's just such like they're they're spewing so like even they don't believe the words that are coming out of their <laughs> yes. mouth. you know like they're talking about how they could remote control the vatican from avignon and stuff like that because of some you like know, obscure and, like event that happened well, it, with emperor constantine or something it, like that it, in the... it's not actually that obscure like okay. the real the real history they're referencing well, is actually for those of us who didn't take history in college. That is not something yes. that has come up. Uh... Yeah, yeah, but like, but they're talking like, like, it's it's the best possible path where they're like they're taking these historical facts and then extrapolating them into the most. So like, like there are secret ley lines running between Avignon and the Vatican, which we could use to remotely control things happening in Italy and all that fucking nonsense, you know. And so, like, so. The, the, the way I'm listening to you guys talk about Index, like, yeah. do you guys have any ground to stand on when you give Eero shit for liking Fate? Because... Yes. Yes. Because Fate is... <laughs> you guys are so quick to defend yourselves! <laughs> no, it's because I... It's because I... Fate is 100% serious about everything that that happens in that show you know and like understanding of those ridiculous rules and systems are like key to actually understanding the drama that is happening in fight and like in index like you don't care and you kind of get the impression they don't care either you know and all, all you know is that this dude can like walk through walls and is supposedly an angel but toma will eventually punch him in the face and it'll probably be a pretty cool fight you know right like yeah fate presents this stuff and expects you to think it's all like cool and smart and index presents it as big and dumb and fun and also i will take toma over shiro like every single day of the week but uh yeah so yeah like like objectively it like there is not a leg to stand on to defend this show as good you know like like it's all over the shop but i'm enjoying it quite a bit i'm not gonna lie you know it like as someone who thought Index Season 2 was extremely bad and, like, left a lingering bad taste in the mouth, I think I've probably learned to lighten up a bit since then. And, like, it's it's completely impenetrable, but it is very silly. Like, like it is it is anime McDonald's. You know, it's incredibly bad for you. But, damn, food. it's good once yeah. in a while. Yeah. And, yeah. So, yeah. I don't, I don't know if we can really sell the show at this point or make... I, I feel like at this point you're in or you're out yeah yeah and, like both are fine like there'd be no reason to start watching season three right now if you did not no. get into it previously or whatever but we're kind of enjoying it i guess but to be honest there will also be no reason to start watching index like as a whole like don't go and start watching season <laughs> one because you want to watch season three like run don't. now while you can um yeah Watch Railgun. Like That's good. Yeah, Railgun is. Watch the first half of season <laughs> one. You can watch the first half of season one of Railgun and then go straight to season two. Let's... I, I would. I would say if we're gonna just real quick dive into this, I would say season one of Index up to the Accelerator arc is actually pretty good. Yeah, like, yeah. I mean, to, like... including including the Accelerator. Yeah, yes, yeah, the Accelerator yeah. arc is like the peak yeah. of the show. Yeah, and if they had ended it right there. I, they probably would have been better off, to be honest. Yeah, like the, the back half of Index Season One is extremely questionable. Yeah, and Season Two is trash. So, um, yeah, but I will say I, this season 
it is the big battle with yeah. the Great Seat of God. It's because World the stakes are so much higher. You yeah, know, we're traveling it's, it's around the, the world, we're fighting angels and shit. Whereas season yeah. two was just like one-off school stories fe- about like third-rate bad guys. 20 episodes of the school festival. Uh, season two, however, did have Norio Wakamoto like spouting Catholic, Catholic doctrine. Yes, in his they had craziest voice yet. So B- B- Bishop Wakamoto getting punched in the face by Tomo was pretty good. Yeah. So. It's, uh... Yeah, it had its moments. If you want, like, if you want completely mindless, like, comfort food garbage, this is some of that shit of the highest order, you know. Yeah. So, you have all been warned. We're still enjoying it, though. All right. Well, moving on to something that actually is harmful and I don't want to really talk about too much, but is a big enough deal that I think we need to mention it. Uh, Goblin Slayer, to surprise surprise of no one, is tremendously popular. Um, <sighs> we chose not to do an actual first look post of this because I just don't really want to give it the time of day. But I would just, I think it's important to note that it was exactly what we thought it was. Uh, I did not watch the first episode, but I saw kind of the offensive bits, and there is fairly explicit rape. There's a le- there's a level of violence that I would describe as unnecessarily cruel. Uh, it's very mean spirited, and uh, yeah, and you know, if we're being honest, probably slightly sexually charged, uh, and the <laughs> it's just gross all around, and you know, any arguments that I have seen pop up that oh well, if you ignore that, the show is good. Well, no, you don't ignore that. Like anything, you don't get to say yeah, that. anything else that might happen in the show is is overruled by you know yeah, that happening. I, so yes, yeah. Like, I've, I've been kind of, you know, because I guess I'm a glutton for punishment, I've kind of been going around kind of checking out other people's takes or reviews of Goblin Slayer, kind of just kind of get a feel for the temperature. And unfortunately, you do see a lot of people that are like, yeah, okay, the rape was there, but also the part where Goblin Slayer fights the goblins was super badass. And it's like, I... Even... It's like even if you you know even if you are arguing in good faith that yes like the the goblin slaying parts of Goblin Slayer are satisfying and enjoyable. You you can't just be like you you can't just be like I'm sorry you can't you can't just say okay yeah the rape was pretty bad and there was a lot of it in the first half but it gets really good afterwards it's like if. I don't know. I guess a part of me is like, well, it's supposed to be like kind of like a revenge fantasy thing, right? So they go yeah, hand in hand. Kinda, right? like, like you can't just like pretend it didn't happen because that's part of I like mean, the the fantasy they're trying to set up. I mean, the the other take I've seen going around a lot is like, oh, it's no worse than something like Berserk, and I'm like, bitch, Berserk is bad too. <laughs> um, yeah, but I, like, I guess the thing is like, I, I guess the thing I want to get out there and say is like, we're not saying that you cannot portray sexual assault in fiction like it it is a but it is a very very risky tool to use and one that should be given the appropriate weight and foresight and i don't think goblin slayer did that i mean it's it's titillation it presents it as titillation and like it it is there it is there to be 
I can't even bring myself to say like arousing, but But that's exactly what they're trying to do. Like the way the shots are framed, like the way that seed is framed, like, like if they wanted to portray it as an, as a truly horrifying thing, like they would have done so. I mean, or they could have just not, you know, they, they could have just, if you have to have it happen, it can happen off screen, you know, like you, you can tell things by implication. Like I, I'm not qualified to talk about this and I don't want to talk anymore about it, but like anybody who claims it is there and necessary for the narrative and not there as like a piece of titillation and something to sell DVDs is uh, looking at the world through an extremely rose tinted pair of glasses. Let's say. That's a very diplomatic way of putting it, but yes. Um, so yeah, that show's bad. And of course it's extremely popular. Okay. So not much we can we do need, about that. We need, we need to get the dungeon meshy anime out here to save us. <laughs> get a, get make, a proper, uh, anime, make our D and D inspired fantasy anime good again. Yeah. <laughs> so, someday. Did, did, did Iroh ever cover that in random manga theater? I forget. No, I don't think he ever got uh, to I it. Don't know. Uh, I don't know what's going to happen. I think happen. it came out a little bit. I think it came out a little bit after uh, okay. the RMT days. I don't, I don't know if it's ever going to happen then, because that's the. Uh... Yeah, that's true. Hero <laughs> did not use his powers for good after all. Yeah. Anyway, um, let's move along. Yeah. Uh, I'm pretty sure I'm the only one that watched Boarding School Juliet, and uh, I'm very disappointed in this show because. It's very close to being my favorite thing of the season, and you know they messed it up. <laughs> Basically, uh, I just I just watched episode two actually before we like this morning, and um, just to give kind of the setup, you know, as everyone knows, I love my you know dumb romantic comedy shows. Yep. And so this show is uh, about these two warring factions in this school, uh, with the two leaders of the factions literally named Romeo and Juliet. Um, and you know, they secretly are in, fall in love with each other and start dating, but they're kind of putting on this, they like, they, they can't, you know, let him, it has to be a secret. And, uh, you know, the, the main girl is, uh, she's like part of this noble family, but the noble family doesn't let women like take over any like actual positions of power. So she wants to like get strong enough so she can seize power and change the world like and the other the main dude, main dude just wants to be her supportive boyfriend and like it's literally about smashing the patriarchy um this is all very good uh the the main couple themselves together are they have like really good chemistry um like just like as an example like there was a really good moment in episode one where like the main dude the whole time he's been like trying to like you know, he's, she's a woman. I have to protect her and, you know, keep her safe and everything. And then finally at the end, he's like, oh, well, you know, I'm only thinking about what I'm thinking and not what, you know, she wants. And, you know, she wants me to take her seriously and, you know, you know, fight her all out so that she can get stronger and everything. And so, like, there's lots of good stuff like that. in it. All that stuff would be great. But this is anime. <laughs> <laughs> and we can't have nice things. <laughs> we can't have nice things because... The writers have to meet their quota of fan service and other, you know, anime nonsense. So, like, for example, in episode one, there's a scene where the main girl gets jumped and the, these dudes try to assault her and they rip her shirt off and the, the main guy has to come rescue her. And they certainly find plenty of ways to show the girls and their underwear through various circumstances. And it all feels very gross and out of place. And, you know, on top of that, episode two was just like 
it was a mess. Like they decide they just decided to do like a filler episode that would normally happen like somewhere in the middle of the season. With, As the second just, episode, yeah, just like killed all momentum with the main plot and everything. And huh. I, I basically get the impression that the right it's 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 another classic example of the writer had a good idea, and but they don't have the competency to execute it. So you know, there's a lot of it's it's tough to write the situation. He kind of painted himself in a corner with like the whole we have to keep the relationship a secret thing, but still fight and everything. And to make that kind of interesting and like actually practical for you know an ep- from episode to episode is difficult. And as far as like the you know the overall theme of smashing the patriarchy, it kind of feels like to me like it's like the dude like just discovered feminism, but doesn't like <laughs> doesn't like said I think he means well, but he doesn't like quite get it yet. Um, and you know, not to say that I'm an expert on feminism or anything, but you know if you really got it you wouldn't be writing scenes where the constantly where the girls are in their underwear and the main girl kind of you know when she shows her like quote unquote real personality is a lot more kind of you know meek and uh i guess uh i don't want to say subservient but uh (laughs) she's she's a lot more um of that type of kind of you know quiet anime girl stereotype so oh, you the, mean uh, perfect japanese woman right so what you're saying <laughs> is this show was written by joss whedon yes oh <laughs> yes Ooh. that's pro- you know that's a spicy oh, sorry people. sorry that might be a, that might be a little harsh but are there uh, long lingering shots of women's feet um <laughs> not not the feet but there are other body parts um other places yeah yeah so um it's 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 really unfortunate because the core concept there is really good. And I feel like the, the actual like main relationship, which is the core of the show is good, but there's just, there's too much anime nonsense around it to, I was going to say, this sounds like it's a good story, but it's anime. Yeah. So <laughs> kind of unfortunate. Cause I felt like, like when I was watching the first half of the first episode, I was just like, so on board with everything that was going on. And then they, they managed to blow it again. So Anyway, I, I will. Uh, it doesn't look like there's going to be any uh, comedies coming for the uh, the Hinamatsuri Crown or even Asobi Asobase this for the rest of the year. So that'll be an interesting discussion. No bad people being bad to each other while doing bad things. <laughs> anime this season. Yeah, I have. What about I mean, the next show? Um, I don't know if it necessarily fits that bill. Yeah, but... that, that. Yeah, let's let you know. What, let's just move on to that show because that that's a thing that has a lot of things going it, on uh it's a thing definitely. uh we're talking about zombie land saga the hot new mappa original show about uh uh what's his name mamarumiano playing himself and assembling <laughs> a team of zombie girls from various eras into a, an, an idol group that's a yep, statement that's... in itself <laughs> Um, it's quite That's literal. The of that show. Quite literally, actually. <laughs> um, and yeah, it's pretty fun. There's a there's a lot of yeah. there's a lot of things going on there. I think, uh, and in some ways, I I, I think we're all concerned that at its core, it's still just going to be an idol show. But I I I mean, like, not to jump the gun, but immediately, but like, that's my my big worry about it. You know, 
is that I think it's so weird and that's fantastic. You know, like I love weird, crazy shit. And, and this thing is like got weird all over the shop. But it's also very rapidly turning into an ensemble comedy about a bunch of girls who have to gumbaray their way to success uh, and become like the best zombie idols around and, and that understandably gives me a little bit of pause yeah as great as that sentence yeah is, yes. I... <laughs> <laughs> yes i think i think those concerns are definitely uh warranted because i think if there weren't already a precedent for it i don't think we'd be as concerned but i feel like japanese satire kind of has a long and storied history of eventually just playing straight the thing they're they're satirizing, yes. and so there's that worry that like these first two episodes have been a pretty good like kind of you know parody of idol stuff you know uh, have but, they though like are they actually a parody I wouldn't call them like, a parody or a satire of an, of, of idol no. show it's just like a dumb comedy but they're also idols but the comedy yeah, is not like, necessarily about idoldom. Yeah, like, like that's kind of where I am. Like, I think they've been funny, and I think, but it's more kind of we took the idol thing and put a spin on it rather than like we are trying to take down the idol industry. You know, I mean, after all, the first episode opens with a like her talking about how much she loves idols and wants to be an idol someday, you know, and like, although they immediately subvert that tonally, like, it, it definitely doesn't seem like it's trying to be a satire to me. Yeah, my, my kind of prediction was uh, if we're going to dig into their attempts at a more serious element is she's going to try to convince the actual proper idol girl in the group to do her job. And at some point they're going to... Well, I guess the interesting thing is so far in the first two episodes they have tackled different uh, musical genres, including uh, rap battle. Right. Which was pretty fun. Yes, yes. But I feel like... That was maybe, extremely good. Maybe one of the most well-animated rap battles that I've seen in yeah. Tell me, have, in the last couple of ever, years, have you ever watched Classicaloid? <laughs> <laughs> that was the rap that. battle. That was a rap murder. Yeah, that was. A murder. <laughs> I've seen that video. Uh, yeah. Um, also, I'm mad that they didn't get because uh, uh, I, I know Mappa has Dalco's phone number. They didn't get her for this, but. Um, I think the thing is, this show does not fundamentally undermine the standard premise of idol anime, which is. Idols make everything shine, and they work hard to make you happy. And if it doesn't do that, it fails as a parody of idols. That means it cannot succeed as anything else. But I would never see this as a satire of idols. It is a just to, cl- just to clarify. You mean that doesn't mean it can't succeed? As yes. Anything else, yeah. Right? Yeah. Sorry. 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 Um, but yeah, this is this is an idol show, but it might be the first idol show that manages to bury its fundamental take on idoldom under enough layers of nods and winks and just sheer weird hilarity that it becomes palpable. Right. I'm I'm just a little concerned that, like, as... 
as soon as like that core narrative becomes wholly about like hey girls we're all like different and we're all in a tough situation but if we just pull together and make the best of it then i'm sure something magical will happen and they're already really close after two episodes i mean that thing you just described most idol shows don't even get as poignant as that yeah, I mean, like, yeah, it, it's mostly, like, in Love Live and stuff, that's mostly subtext rather than text, right, you know, so I, I don't know, I just, I, like, when I'm watching that, I'm just always kind of, like, I've got my finger on the trigger ready for the moment when it goes full anime, and then, like, I'm just going to, going to, like, push the button and eject myself <laughs> out of it. Right, I mean, I mean, that's I where the, the horror element like... comes in. <laughs> I guess the thing is, like, it's it's hard to tell because, I guess, unless, I guess, based on the writing I've seen in the first two episodes, like, it's generally been so entertaining and so on point that, I guess, to me, like, I am totally ready for the other shoe to drop, but I feel like it would be such a drastic it would be such a drastic shift in tone for them to just suddenly start playing the idle parts straight that i guess at this point i'm still curious to see where it goes you know i, I think if they manage like, to because and also because it's, i think if they manage to kind of keep the weird factor and the you know the sense of humor has been really good the comedy has been pretty solid like if they keep those elements i mean even if at its core there's still an idol show it could still be entertaining i think it's just how much of that are they gonna right. is gonna become the focus you know i don't know uh, it's kind of like if if we want to throw out a comparison to like review Starlight last season, where there was a lot of weird, you know, elements going on, but really they didn't have any impact on it not being an idol show. <laughs> like it was still at the right. Yeah. Like, ahead, I... Well, I guess my thinking is. Oh, go ahead. Yeah. Oh, I was just gonna say. I feel like like the fact that it's a comedy has helped uh, Zombieland Saga like integrate like the comedy and the weirdness more thoroughly into the idol stuff because one of the big problems with review starlight was almost that you were watching two entirely separate shows at times you know and they definitely haven't gone that way like they've done a good job of like keeping the weirdness and the comedy in the idol story as well right all right i think go ahead g i guess the one last thing i'd like to say though is like i guess the reason why i'm still ready to believe that they are going. They're they are trying to stick to it being a comedy rather than playing it straight. Is like, I think we think we should mention is that the show is really lovingly well animated in a lot of places. Like, it's hmm, no, I can't say that, but it is definitely in the upper echelon of of most well animated shows I've seen this season so far. Like. And we've all seen the preview for episode three with like the really ugly looking CG like dancing models. And I guess a part of me is like, a part of me wants to be optimistic and say, well, the CG in episode three's preview looks so fucking bad. That has to be set. That has to be intentional, right? Like no one would actually make CG look that bad in a show that has been otherwise animated so well, unless they were playing it for a joke. Love Live exists. Love Life totally does that, even though Sunrise has all the money in the world. But yeah, I guess that's a problem, right? <laughs> nevertheless, I still think this is going to be a parody. Yeah, like that's that is the thing that worries me. Those, oh god, what if we watch episode three and they play off those really terrible looking CG models as you know, totally straight? Yeah. But I don't know. It's just 
the other aspects of the show have been animated so nicely like like the sheer jump in visual quality from what we've seen in the first two episodes to that would be I guess a part of me thinks that no, most anime studios are more competent than that, right? Like surely, like they wouldn't, like surely, no anime studio would allow such a huge dip in quality unless I don't know if you know they were just completely mismanaged. If they're really like embracing the idol thing. Maybe they just it's just like oh well, this is what you do when you're an idol anime. But I don't know. Um, I mean, it's always strange. I wanted to bring this up on with Double Decker, but Sunrise seemed to be doing the CG thing not because they have to, but because they want to. Yes, they totally. I have the means and the funds to hand animate everything. Oh, totally. I I brought it up during our uh, our fall preview um, podcast, but my suspicion is that Sunrise is using. In the same way that uh, Tiger and Bunny was actually intentionally designed to be kind of a test bed for Sunrise's uh, CG studio. And I wonder if Double Decker is kind of continuing that tradition of them using this show as kind of uh, an experiment of sorts, an opportunity to see like how far they can push their CG team. Because CG has kind of been steadily creeping into Gundam as well. Like it's Like most of the primary TV series are still 2D animated. But a lot of the OVAs are kind of beginning to introduce CG elements uh, to to varying degrees of success, mm-hmm. and I wonder how much of Double Decker is them specifically choosing to use CG to uh, further, I guess, push their uh, their tech, so to speak. Right. All right. Well, I guess we will uh, see how things go, what direction they end up going ultimately. But so far, Zombieland Saga, pretty fun. Um, I, let's uh, let's give our obligatory shout out to uh, JoJo Part Five. The saga continues. It's more JoJo, but now yeah. it's in Italy. It's still yes. good. Next. Well, I do just want to. <laughs> yeah, I mean, comment that uh, I actually like the choice for ED, which is uh, if, if anybody <laughs> missed it, is "Freaking You" by Joe C. Are you saying, Joe, that every day you wake up so horny? Uh, which... I'm not going to answer that question, but... Uh, the... <laughs> this is my stand. Morning wood! <laughs> um, yes. I mean, I will point out that Bruno's stand in this part is called Sticky Fingers. So... Oh, it's so good. Oh, okay, yes. So, um, so good. Yes, it, it is continued, I mean... continued the long tradition of bizarre but oddly appropriate licensing choices for the ending songs of uh, jojo yeah. also the the uh tradition of those ending songs instantly becoming memes like almost 100 percent. yeah within minutes like, it's kind of amazing yeah, actually yeah. yeah rocky knows how to pick them i guess yeah so um, um, it's still good like it it's still that show you know? yeah totally it's, I... it's probably not like as flamboyantly directed as part four because that yeah. director and a lot of his guys moved on to um captain subasa but like it still looks great because the original art looks great and it's still very weird and like all of like the stuff that you want from a jojo is still there yeah i i will just say for my part that like if anybody read our first look post, like I was not initially as sold on part five. Uh, I think it's first episode is frankly not a super strong first impression, but having watched the second episode, like I think it's definitely well on its way to being, you know, another 
another solid JoJo entry. Yeah, like episode two was much better and considerably sillier than episode one, and both of those things helped quite a lot. Right. And uh, Giorno's pose game is on point, you know, we'll admit that. Dude, uh, that's the next most important uh, element, yes. Yeah, Giorno Giovanni, he, uh, he fucking, <laughs> he's got a, <laughs> he's got a, he's got a, he's got a knack for the craft. I'll say yeah. that much. He wants to be a gang star. A that gang is star. That is his motivation. He wants to be a gang star. It's, that, it's still JoJo. Yep, that sounds about right. You know at this point if you like that or not. Right. Okay. Well. The saga continues on that. Uh, let's uh, let's talk about another good show. Uh, so, before that, let me pitch this radical idea to you, Joe. Okay. What if there was a romance show with a girl, but instead she liked another girl? I don't, I, that's not a thing, right? No, can't be. Yeah, let's talk about Blue. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, How so... dare you? <laughs> well, that, that, that's that's always the thing that usually happens. Uh, so we're talking about Blue into You, and th- yes, that is always the thing that happens in you know Yuri anime, where it's like, "But you're a girl, we can't possibly like each other." Um, which that does not seem, in love. That does not seem to happen in this one, which is good. Um, I, uh, you know, it, it is. I mean, it's a pretty straightforward, you know, plot wise setup. There's this this high school girl that is kind of baffled by the, you know, the concept of love, which I think was kind of interesting. They kind of touch on. But she, she's also fascinated by it, but she's fascinated by like the, the romantic ideal of love. You know, she's fascinated by the sugar-coated shoujo fantasy. Right. The thing love. is, um, I can speak from experience here that people who don't really experience uh, sexual attraction in real life sort of get this idealized concept of love in their heads because society expects them to find love the most desirable achievement in their existence so they sort of like right. and i think that show this show portrays that really well like it is no secret that you is supposed to be goaded asexual and that this show is sort of about her not getting over but like how should i say this realizing that she can still fall in love with someone even though there is no direct spark the way her the the love songs and the shoujo manga that she likes expects her to have and there doesn't have to there doesn't have to be a magic moment yes and i think that is what makes the show even more important aside from the fact that it is also a a lesbian romance is that this is I mean, in the preview guide, I, 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 I described the show as queer in all of meetings of the words of the word because it is not only you know between two girls, but it is also a definitely like a distinguishedly alternative take on love. It's not about physical attraction. It is not about that immediate spark. It is about you know the slow burn, the slow realization that someone has fundamentally changed your life, and you cannot imagine your life without them anymore. And I think that is the show. If there is any criticism I could have, that might not have done the best of jobs at making that clear to the audience, because I've heard a lot of people be like, "Why does you know uh, senpai confess to her at the end? That's so jarring," and like. 
uh, that's the point. Like, it is supposed to come out of left field, and I can tell you in advance that, that Senpai does have her reasons to all of a sudden fall in love with our main character. But the whole thing is about the contrast between the two characters. You know, initially they think they are kindred spirits. Um, you thinking that Senpai is like her and that she doesn't feel that immediate spark, that she turns down everyone who, who every hand that beckons her, so to say. Mm-hmm. While on the other hand, it is not like that. It's It's a show about embracing that other people are different i think because she slowly comes to realize that senpai is in fact a quote-unquote normal person who who feels quote-unquote normal sexual attraction more specifically towards her and she cannot immediately respond to that affection right and that's kind of yeah that's kind of like the I, i think that's you know all that stuff that you mentioned is the much more interesting angle on this where it's not just the two girls fall in love story. Yes. It's a a lot more uh, nuanced than that. Um, And so go ahead, Zig. uh, I was just going to say, like, I think that's super interesting. I don't think that they've done a great job of like presenting that that's where they're going with it. Sorry. I didn't understand the question. You cut out for a second. Yeah. Sorry. Um, so I, I think I think the idea is great and like the thematic richness which you've talked about is fantastic. I don't think that they've necessarily done a great job of presenting yes, that. Yes, that, that is like the problem. Part, part of like part of the problem is that despite the fact that you gets like quite a lot of internal monologues and stuff like that, she's not particularly cogent with her dialogue and that that's not great. And also like I think one of the other issues is that this show so drowns itself in like the the thematic and like yes. visual cliches of yuri manga and anime it is a show that, that definitely of... tries to uh tries to buy its audience you know with trying to be like hey yeah. this is a yuri show you know holding hands and sakura petals and but we're both girls this really is a yuri show okay do i have your attention all right now we can start the character development like that is really obvious in its presentation <clears throat> And I initially was yeah, very and... positive about the direction and the presentation, but then I, as I read people's reactions, I figured that maybe it might not have done an entirely good job at entirely choreographing what kind of show it is, because all of the people who initially fell, who already fell in love with it were people who read the manga and therefore know what kind of show it is and what it is about, whereas newcomers were a bit more skeptical towards it. Yeah, the, the so thing I was going to say only... is... A lot... yeah. A lot of the things you're talking about are, not, are things that have not yet happened, or things that the show has not yeah, displayed exactly. well. Yeah, you know, and and like that is like I I'm I like the show a lot. I think it does a great job of subtle characterization. You know, I think that like I like the supporting cast quite a lot as well. I think it's very well animated. Like leaving aside the debate about whether the visual style actually helps or hinders the show, it's beautifully animated and very like nuanced. I. I just feel like if they have that level of thematic richness and ambition, they should put more of it on display. Yes, but that is the thing I I experience with the Yuri genre is that it is a genre that is incredibly dependent on its cliches. People want these cliches. People expect these cliches, like the whole, but we're both girls thing. Like that is what people want. Even people who, who, who think it is, 
perfectly normal for two girls to fall in love with each other want them to say that because it confirms that this is that kind of story and this is why i think the show initially needs to rely on these or thinks it needs to rely on these cliches to to sort of you know get the crew going get get that get that audience willing to listen to what it has to say and that is a bit sad but it's something you see in a lot of anime like you see uh, recently we have seen a lot of anime that have had to like initially buy their audiences attention before they can do what they want to do like the 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 girls thing is just a big example how do you get attention but as an anime by being about cute high school girls. And once you get your audience yeah. attention like that, you can do whatever you want. And I think this is the same. Yeah. And, and, uh, and I think you're absolutely right, you know, and like it does offer some hints that it, it it's going to go deeper than that. I wish it had the courage of its convictions in that case, you know, because like, like it's, it's all right because like, you know, like I enjoy the show and I would keep watching it, but, but like, the 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 kind of stuff you're talking about is super interesting and and i wish that they they could like not necessarily even come out with it quicker but i wish that they didn't so have to cloak it under like genre convention yeah uh just to kind of get in the door and that that's not a criticism of the show if they have to do that they have to do that but i wish it wasn't the way yeah that's definitely true that's all i've got has um I haven't had a chance to watch the second episode. I don't know if you guys have yet. Yeah, we have. Okay. Yeah. So I don't know if they made any further progress in that direction. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think those are all valid criticisms and I'm probably not really an expert in this topic, but I can definitely, I mean, you can see that in any genre really where they, you know, there has to be concession. There, there's a checklist. You have to check off certain things yes. that, that the author mm-hmm just has to add that because that's the genre you're in and uh, it's really frustrating when you know those things happen and perhaps maybe to even to the detriment of the show but i mean i would say in this case while it might make thing might make the themes a little muddier in the beginning i didn't feel like there was any i didn't feel like it's gonna i didn't get the impression that's gonna torpedo the thing the show in the long run so yeah yeah because it doesn't right i mean it's sort of like it's a chess game. I think it's like a literal mind game with the editors, you know, you know, if <laughs> I, I get, no, it's really, what can I, I do can, to get I this published? Just, yeah. I can just see the author trying to argue, you know, we you know if I have the sherry blossoms, can I put some male characters in? <laughs> if I have them say, but we're both girls, you know, can I, can I f- have an arc that focuses entirely on a character that doesn't have anything to do with their romance? You know, it's, I, I can just see them negotiating like that, and that's a really weird thing to experience. Yeah, but that's uh, that's anime for you sometimes. That or, is anime. A lot of Spe- times. Speaking of shows which seem to cloak themselves in genre convention. <laughs> oh boy! <laughs> Thanks, Zig. That, that might that we. I, I needed I needed that quality transition to close things out here. Uh, yeah. So let's uh. Let's close things out by talking about Gridman. Um, Jell, you have once again saved the most interesting show for last. (laughs) Over time, compared to our last couple of episodes, the time's not that bad. (laughs) But so, so let's get into it. I 
I feel like this is going to be like a straight out slugfest between me and G. So can I can I say my piece first? Is it really? Sure. No, no I, don't, I, I don't think it is actually. But <laughs> I think, like, I, I think I, the thing is, we both we all like the show, but for different reasons. Yes, I think <laughs> yes. Aqua's pretty much nailed it there. Actually, um, like. I'm going to talk quickly about it first because, like, I like mecha shows, but I'm often frustrated by them as well. Um, I think that, and like, I, I feel like I'm one of the members of staff who is perhaps most skeptical of the future value of trigger works. If that makes sense, like, like I, I, I feel like I was one of the people who was most down on Little Witch Academia. So, um, feel free to uh, just admit how bad of a person you are, I guess. Yeah, I mean, sure. Um, I think this is a fascinating move for Trigger because I, th- I think it is, it is a, it is absolutely not what you like when you say Trigger makes anime about 90s tokusatsu franchise featuring like giant robots battling kaijin in like a city, you would expect it to be like absolutely balls to the walls mayhem. And it is not. It is almost the opposite of that, quite frankly. It's it's a quite quiet, relatively introspective piece that like is still incredibly beautiful, but mostly prefers like, you know, delicate shot composition and like careful atmosphere building rather than like, you know, crazy smears and bits and bobs like that, yeah. you know. Um I, I think that it's it's a tremendous sign of maturity, perhaps from a trigger team which has kind of maybe only had one gear up to now and um that's what's most encouraging to me about it you know like i I think the show itself is interesting it's kind of difficult to say too much about like the overall quality of it now because we're only two episodes in and it's kind of a mystery so but like it looks lovely it's got some really nice atmospheric work some beautiful landscape work and it's got the kind of more measured considered tone which I don't necessarily expect from a Trigger show, but is reassuring and interesting to me. I think the most telling thing about that show is if you sit down and just listen to it and you will notice how little music they use, how quiet this show is. And I think that is incredibly telling for the vibe they are going for. This is a... Whereas the Trigger shows usually are a throwback to the Gynax that we know in the West, you know, the crass Gynax, the loud Gynax that made Gurren Lagan and Dead Leaves and Panty and Stocking. This is a throwback to the other Gynax, you know, the Gynax that made um, Evangelion, the Gynax that made the the quiet bits of Fooly Cooly. This show is a far better successor to Fooly Cooly than both Alternative and Progressive are. Because they they have that same they nail that same kind of vibe that same kind of just that that yeah how do I say this this is the beautiful interactions between the characters just lazing about the the the, the whole conflict between Rika who is like you know these people are dead what are we gonna do her her melancholy about this versus the guys who just think this is a fun adventure and I guess some people die. The respect with its streets, its characters, which is completely absent in every other Trigger show not called Little Witch Academia. It is by far made by the best possible incarnation of what that studio can be, I think. And it is 
uh, with the exception of the little mm. Academia OVA, okay, now the we're, very now, now we're first trigger now show we're I have <laughs> unconditionally <laughs> liked. Now you are getting into some dangerous territory, my friend. Um, <laughs> but uh, I'll let you have I'll let you have that. You know, but um, I mean, so uh, G as someone who is like a big proponent of the of the trigger we have seen up until this point. You know, what's what's your take here, so to speak? So I think I think you guys are uh, I think you guys have a lot of good points, and I also think you guys uh, maybe have misunderstood my feelings on Gridman because I do actually like a lot of the things that you guys have spoken about. I think. I think the difference for me is, uh, I think Gridman more or less fascinates me rather than enthralls me, if that makes sense. Like, I'm not necessarily in love with the show yet, but what I am is very curious and very interested in in where it's going. Um, You know, I kind of spoke about this in our first look post, but I do actually, like, I think... Yes, you are. You guys are correct. That Trigger's general vibe is kind of like highly kinetic, very like you know bouncing around the walls kind of animation and that kind of vibe and energy. But I think the thing that is worth noting, and you know, it's kind of the thing I'll bring up about Gridman that you know was similar to Kill the Kill actually, or actually most Trigger anime is that most Trigger anime are very easy to screen cap as somebody who generally tends to be the one who covers trigger shows. I mean, they are um, a visually minded studio. I don't think Yeah, well, but I think good. what I mean more than that though is like there are a lot of very well animated shows, you know, airing every every season every year, but Trigger I think is very is uniquely very very good at shot composition. Like it's usually used in service of very, you know, wild energetic things, you know, your kill the kills and little witch academias which are very, you know, high energy. But I think what they're doing here with Gridman is showing that actually they are still those masters of shot composition we've always known them for, but they're applying it to a completely different tone. And that in and of itself actually really interests me, you know. It's kind of what we're talking about, you know, that very like, you know, that kind of like very like Serial Experiments Lane or like Mamoru Mamoru Hosoda Digimon episodes, you know, very like, you know, that kind of sense of... uh, surrealness to it yeah. yeah detachment that sense of isolation you know the the mist the foggy streets with the power lines crisscrossing across you know the the kaiju kind of existing far far off in the distance to the point where yeah. it's just a silhouette and yeah those those shots of like the skyline broken by the silhouettes of the kaiju are like tremendously yeah uh, it's full of feeling you know? yeah yeah it's it's like it, the the way i've always put it is like is Gridman is kind of in that vein, that kind of lineage of those kind of '90s, early 2000s anime that kind of had such an like such an ethereal vibe to it that like you always felt that like if the characters looked too hard at something that it might just you know shatter. Yeah, you that, know, that's it, a it, really good way of describing it. It, it. it feels very dreamlike, I guess. Yeah, and I I'm digging that actually. I am enjoying that because I mean, I guess the thing is once I had you know. I watched the first episode of Gridman a few months ago at the uh, the trigger uh, the trigger panel at Anime Expo, mm-hmm. and since I had some time to kind of internalize it, like once you get over the like, you know, directed by the same guys who brought you Inferno Cop and Ninja Slayer, <laughs> which you know, yeah. admittedly did set up some weird expectations. Like once you get past that, you realize that like it's doing something like very 
very interesting, I guess, you know, and I think also like, you know, we're, we haven't talked about it much because in some ways maybe it is the slightly weaker aspect of Gridman, but I feel like when that show turns it on, it still knows how to do it well. Like, this is not just Gridman purely the, like, character piece deconstruction, you know? It can also still be Gridman, the boy who jumps into a computer and transforms into a giant man in a rubber suit to fight monsters who also move as if they are filled with people in rubber suits. I mean, yeah, I mean, like, as as a long-time Toku fan, I just wanted to say that, like, the the appreciation for like the very particular way that like giant robot fights are staged and shot in in that medium is like very apparent here you know they they deliberately echo and homage those styles but also like do so in a way where like because you obviously have a much more kinetic camera yeah here like they kind of put put a new spin on it as well i mean the 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 the, the statement that this is a deconstruction of toku is is complete bullshit by people who have never watched toku before in their entire lives because this is right i definitely wasn't yeah. trying to no no was. i know you i know but this is this is 100 a toku show and that's what makes it great that's what makes it yeah. great. and i guess that's a question i actually wanted to ask since you guys are more familiar with the medium like has a sentai or common writer or an ultraman ever like dealt with like the theme of like civilian casualties like has it ever been like a a a strong theme in in a series in the past i mean those shows are children's shows so (laughs) sure sure. not really you know i mean like the closest the closest you've probably ever gotten is the famous ending of chosen sentai jetman and spoilers for like uh fucking what that show aired in 1989 i think so like a 30 year old but like the ending of chosen sentai jetman is they beat the villain and everybody's happy and then black condor gets stabbed in an alley while trying to stop a like regular that's pretty that's pretty dark jeez Um, (laughs) yeah it's uh, it's it's really dark dude. yeah like like uh it is apparently one of the reasons why they chose not to adapt that show as the original power rangers but um ah. but no like you would have to look into more like esoteric toku like like the thing about toku is that toku is kind of like animation in the sense that it's not just for kids but the really big culturally defining stuff kind of is mostly for right kids, if that, i like, guess yeah you wouldn't I, ask. You wouldn't ask. Uh, like, do they show civilian casualties in a Disney movie? Sure, you know? sure. You're right, but I guess that is what makes me so like endlessly cu- like curious about Gridman. Like, it is the show that is probably occupying my head the most because I, I am. I guess I, I really like. It's the kind of thing you mentioned, Aqua, which I also personally found to be a really good moment. Is that part where you kind of have that contrast between the bo- the boys and Rico, where Rico's like. No, like they're not like just random bystanders. Like I hung out with these girls. Like I went out to karaoke with them. Like, and now they're gone. Like they straight up no longer exist. You know, while the boys are like on this like riveting mystery adventure, and like those those kind of themes, or like the idea of like, or like what good is a hero if he can't save everybody, or like is it important that a hero must fight even if you know people get hurt? It's like I guess I'm curious if those are common elements in Toku or if. SSSS Gridman is like kind of bringing up novel or not novel, but you know, like more nuanced ideas. I guess I think that is the that is the that is the freedom they get from making a Toku show for adults while still respecting all of the tropes and conventions of Toku and not like making them dark and gritty. Like this is the good kind of 
like this is the kids show but for adults you know they add mature interesting complex themes or at least they can try yeah, to it's it's mature themes rather than mature content yes which is the sure you know and like it's worth pointing out the original Gridman, although not you know it's not as kiddie as something like super sentai not not like a deep adult show either um right i i think that i think that gridman does have a chance to be a deconstruction it certainly is showing some tendencies in like the focus on people rather than um mm-hmm. and like it, it's it's a cliche right like that like whenever anybody says about a mecha show oh this one's so good it focuses on the people rather than the robots <laughs> when the truth is actually that all mecha shows focus on the people rather than the robots yeah. but right like you know but like the, the idea of a tokusatsu which deals more explicitly in the fallout of the hero's actions is at least very mildly deconstructional. Yeah, yeah. But I think, word? Sure. I, I think that if this yeah. eventually becomes a deconstruction, it will become a, uh, as they call it, decon-recon switch. Yes. As in it, it yes. kind of a more tried, even-handed approach. It, it initially yeah. tries to be a deconstruction, but eventually turns out to be a homage to everything that makes the original genre great. Instead of trying yeah. to tear it apart, sure, yeah. I I guess. All right, should we just get to this? Like, I feel like this is like the weird thing surrounding Gridman, but should we just get into like the weird pseudo conspiracy theory angle of Gridman's production that has I, kind of been floating around? I, I I don't think this is really like like a pseudo conspiracy theory. I think it's kind of like a remarkable insight into the people who are making the show. I mean, are they yeah. going to homage old Gynex by the entire production being some kind of money laundering scheme? <laughs> <laughs> right, I was gonna say, like, are they gonna pull like some weird like Luluco long long con where the last episode reveals like Well, I guess it's more like I I don't I don't know if we've talked about it explicitly in the podcast, but some places have been talking about the kind of weird mystery surrounding Gridman's uh, production, like how the staff involved with it and like what they've shown of it so far are are kind of like notably buttoned up, like compared to most anime, like the fact that they're like almost done making the show, you know, compared to like, you oh, know, I, Trigger's I, usual I, production scale where they are mailing in the fucking last episode 10 minutes before it airs. Like, see, I didn't know that, you know, and I will admit Gridman, like, seems to have had an unusually long gestation time as well like they announced it well in advance and kind of kept it under the radar for a while which is right. generally not the way anime works like normally you announce something and it's on the air next season or whatever. yeah whereas gridmates kind of been if i could just uh comment on that i think i think there's a pretty good chance something weird is going to happen because and the thing that the thing that stood out to me is when we, when they, we, we kind of reveal that the the one girl is like the villain making these kaiju like she, yes. she appears to be like some kind of like toku nerd or something, and she's like making the models. Yeah. And like, I feel like are they going to do some kind of like fourth wall breaking thing or something? Or I, 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 see, yeah. I would be disappointed by that because because I feel like I feel like breaking the fourth wall is sometimes the easiest way out of your interesting. Like, it's a cheap move. Yeah, uh, yeah I'm not saying that they should do that, but I, I feel like something but weird if, if is going to asking... happen like that. Yes. Yeah, I, right. I feel it's... like the, the show is kind of positioning itself as a mystery to be solved. Like they're being yeah. deliberately vague about like who is Gridman, like who like who are our main characters. We don't really know much about them, and main dude has amnesia, you know. Um, like who is Samurai Caliber? Who are those mysterious guys who are showing <laughs> up? Like you know, what's the purpose of all of this? Yeah. You know, right? I think. Well, one quick aside, I will say, 
the show does occasionally do have some very well-timed comedic bits like that do remind you that it's being directed by a guy who did inferno cop like samurai caliber going in through the door in episode two yes. like <laughs> but, i found that part to be but, really funny but the, the but, difference i would say is that like sorry to interrupt you g but yeah. i just want to get this point in as well the difference i would say is that like when trigger are trying to be funny normally it's normally like the very traditional like setup joke punchline scenario you know and and here I feel like the humor is generally like almost a background thing that comes organically from yeah, the, like, yeah. the character movement or like the totally. shot framing or stuff like yeah. that. You know? I did just want to bring that up real quick, but yeah. you know, just to kind of get back to the mystery angle, I guess. It's I guess it's kind of. Sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, like, it's it's definitely not a morose show. You know? Sure, like, it, for sure. It's not it's not Ava in the sense that like it communicates this feeling of like isolation or or like entrapment you know yeah it, it's more a sort of like floating curiosity yes totally like yeah we say we say dreamlike and we say like you know weird and and, and like moody but it's not it's definitely not like grim or you know depressive or anything like that but i guess the thing i want to you know gosh we are <laughs> go ahead rapidly hitting our, our overtime here but i guess uh I guess the kind of fascinating thing I find about Gridman is like how much of the mystery is kind of in the meta aspect of like the show itself. Because like I feel like I feel like Gridman would not be nearly as mysterious if it weren't specifically the people involved with it. I guess like what is making it so like interesting of a mystery to talk about is so much of like the people making it and what we know about the production. Like, you know, I mentioned earlier, like the fact that they're almost finished up, like they're almost done animating the series and like we're only a couple weeks in, like, you know, stuff like that. Or like, you know, we mentioned this before the, uh, the recording, like the weird, like really weird deep cut transformers references. Yes. Like that all the character designs are like the main characters shoes are like a dead ringer for like cliff jumper and stuff like that. It's, I guess the thing is, like, at this point, maybe the most fascinating thing about Gridman is it really is just how little we know about it. Yeah. But then I guess that does make me worry, like, once they do pull back the curtain, you know, what is it that we're going to see? I think if you look at it from a more positive perspective, this show, because it is the the guy, uh, sorry, the Trigger rookie project, might also just be an experiment in, you know, right, that how as can well, we yeah. make anime, you know on a sane in a sane way you know start well in advance give the rookie something to like maybe this is just trigger trying to you know sanitize the production progress or process of anime that might just be all it is but even if that might be a bit underwhelming for like the conspiracy theorists that might be a very good thing or they're just trying to wrap up so they get all hands on deck for Primare, but uh yeah. for Primare, right? <laughs> um, yeah, i mean G and I were talking about this earlier, but it's very interesting that like they chose to release the first footage for Promare like imme- like not immediately but soon after Gridman debuted because like it kind of shows like two extremely different sides of the same studio and and that's interesting yeah. in its own right. Totally, because I think uh, prior to Gridman, like I mean, all right, like you know, say what you will about like. You know, whether you whether you are on the Little Witch Academia end of the scale or like the Kill a Kill slash Inferno Cop end of the scale. But like the thing you could always say about Trigger's work is that they have energy to them, you know, like yes. Little Witch Academia, you know, beautifully animated, really heartfelt, but also still really energetic. Whereas Gridman almost kind of creates its own third like vector in this spectrum that it it's it's not lazy, but like 
it's unexpected for what they've usually yeah. done, you know. I think the thing also about and, the sorry about the Promare promotion is that Trigger are a studio who have jobbed exactly once in their life, which is when they did that when Supernatural Battles become commonplace show. Everything right. else has been a Trigger production, you know, neon sign. This is the new Trigger show. And I think in order <laughs> to maintain that reputation, maintain that appeal, they need to keep on pushing every single product they do, announce their newest product as soon as their now product comes out. I think that might also I mean, justify why they why they released that Promare teaser along with yeah, Gritman episode one. I feel like Trigger are like one of the few studios who I have like the strength of history to trade purely on their studio name and B have adopted kind of like a more Western approach of trading on their studio name, if that yeah. makes sense. You yeah, know? like and I, I'm not saying if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but as Aqua said, you know, like they definitely you know, they have a brand which is is more than you can say for most anime studios, you know. And I, I think it's very interesting to contrast, like, Gridman, especially in the context of their other work this year, Darling in the Franks, which, <laughs> you know, obviously right. they were not necessarily <laughs> creatively responsible for, but but it's it's a fascinating comparison, yeah. do you think? That, I, I, yeah, that's I, a, I uh, that's a... That, that's like a whole other topic we could probably get into comparing with that, but... Uh... I told you, this is why we shouldn't have saved Gridman for last. Like, yeah, well, whether we had talked about this at the beginning or the end, I think that's going to be a topic we would have to cover in another day. We, we should, but, we should uh, wrap yeah. up. Yeah, I just suffice yeah. to say that like Gridman is fascinating. Like, it could get bad, but even if it gets bad, I think it will be interesting. And you yes. know, I, I'm fascinated to see how it pans out either way. I just want yeah. to say one more thing, and uh, that is that I am 100% on board with uh, Akane, our villain. Uh, Reina Ueda does an incredible job. We only know her as the voice of Mallow in Pokemon Sun and Moon, where she's just like, oh, <laughs> exciting, nice, chipper girl. And here she really uses that voice to like deliver an, an unprecedented sort of interesting menace. Like, this character seems, totally. seems to be some kind of take on, you know, the embittered nerd who, like, watches, views the rest of the world as just playthings and, and, and enacts their petty revenge on everyone who has ever wronged them. But that is a very male stereotype. And we're now seeing that as, like, a weird, chipper energetic yeah. high school girl. So I, I, I can see them taking that in very interesting directions. I, I totally hope they do some good things with her because, you know, it wasn't the biggest twist in the world, but like revealing her to be the true villain instead of, you know, Chief Overjustice who showed up in episode <laughs> one. Like, revealing that he's just kind of like, I don't know, is he like a weird AI assistant or something? Like, yeah, something he, like I, I don't know what his deal is, yeah. but... He is definitely one of the more traditionally trigger-esque elements in that show. Right. Like when we first when I first saw him, I was like, oh, there's the trigger part. When this guy turns out to be the main villain, this fucking inferno cop ass, like flaming skull with sunglasses motherfucker. Are they gonna make but, the, uh, are they gonna make the joke like they did in Luluco or like you thought I looked like Inferno Cop? Ha ha ha. Um, I mean, is the flaming <laughs> is the flaming skull with sunglasses basically like the the chocobo or the moogle of trigger? <laughs> <laughs> Everything in like I mean, completely different roles. As far as like iconic mascots go, it's not a bad one. 
there's always a frame, a skull, and a pair of sunglasses. <laughs> yeah, but so, uh, definitely interesting. Anyway, you know that shows. Yeah, going. I'll uh, you know, just throwing my two cents in real quick. You know, I I don't know how much I might actually like Gridman by the end, but I am much more interested. I think in I guess kind of the meta the meta of it, like G was saying, where if this is you know new talent getting a shot from trigger i think that what they're making so far is very promising and I, I love that it's it's different than you know i feel like everything else trigger has so much of you know imaishi's influence on it and his you know even i mean and uh either him or the i, I always forget the guy who does little witch academia but yoshinari like, yoshinari yes so and any even even those i think overlap a bit they've you know they've been working together for so long and i i, I love this idea of like you know some fresh blood coming up that are showing a lot of talent in this regardless of what totally what the end product like, is here um and and you know we mentioned channeling kind of the older gynax which is you know i'm i'm i i like you know i personally like a lot more um is you know I I like to see that I think they I would love to see what they're gonna be working on next after this as well so all right so uh, I think uh, that's gonna do it yeah uh, keep an eye on the site for ongoing coverage of various yes and bobs. I uh, think there's gonna be a few shows we're gonna pick up this uh, yeah so don't make any promises you can't keep <laughs> yeah well yeah we're <laughs> we're still kind of ironing out how I think there's gonna be some changes coming up which I will make a post for uh, on on coverage but stay tuned to theglorialblog.com for all of our regular anime coverage you can go check out our first looks for all the other shows that we didn't talk about and even the ones that we did uh, which I think we're pretty much through most of the I don't think there's really a whole lot left to cover at this point. Some I mean, uh, the Kiamani Yeah, Tsurune is like the big one that's still yeah. coming up. Still some stragglers, but we couldn't wait for those at this point. So um, you can keep an eye out for that. Uh, you can, uh, let's see, what's our other housekeeping? So yes, read us at thegloryoblog.com. Uh, follow us on Twitter at thegloryoblog. You can uh, find us somewhere on YouTube. Please like, comment, or subscribe on the videos so that we can get enough subscribers to get a proper URL. Um you can uh, check out, uh, you know, we're on iTunes, so you can subscribe to the podcast there, as well as listen to our other podcast, The Legend of the Glorial Heroes. Um, and, uh, you know, did I miss anything else? Tell your friends, tell your enemies. I think that's it. And, uh, yeah, I think that's pretty much it. So thanks, guys, for being on, and we'll catch everybody next time. Take it See easy. you later. Bye. Could